Today's show is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. Go to Cufflinks.com and use code GOT20 to save 20% off your order today. Also, send us an email at podcastwinterfell at gmail.com and you will be entered to win a pair of incredible Targaryen cufflinks. Celebrate the fires in King's Landing by wearing these amazing cufflinks to the next event that you attend. Send us an email and tell us what your favorite moment from the entire series is podcastwinterfell at gmail.com and while you're on the interwebs go to cufflinks.com slash dvr and use code got20 to save 20 percent off your order cufflinks.com slash dvr today welcome back to podcast winterfell wow we are here to initially react to season eight episode five the bells Game of Thrones, the penultimate episode, and here with me this evening is the creator of the podcast himself, my friend and yours, Mr. Matt Murdick. Hey, Axel, how you doing, man? Thanks for having me. Well, when you first said, hey, man, let's do the penultimate episode, I was kind of like, oh, okay, that's going to be either a real bummer or, or a real elater, and for me, it was actually both. Really? Yeah, uh, I mean, a bummer in the fact that, you know, I'm mourning some of these characters, but I, I I totally love this episode. Okay, yes, yes, definitely. I see your point there, brother. It was almost too much for me to take, uh, meaning that I'm still processing how I feel about the multiple deaths and the destruction, and this episode just took a turn I I have to admit, man, you know, I was on the show today with Robert um, in Deep Geek and we were talking and we were kind of like, yeah, Danny might burn everything. But I was like, no, I think maybe she'll like see a little kid and she'll pull up. You know what I mean? Mm. And, and then maybe and like Cersei takes out the dragon, you know, something like that happens. But that's not what happened. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> no, we got we got uh, full full-blown uh targaryen style fire and blood i mean she's been saying fire and blood since season two so we that's what we got yeah man what did you think of that how, how did you react to the way she acted because it's definitely the 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 fire of the internet right now and i think for years to come people are going to be talking about this turn that danny took um and i think a lot of people are upset by it a lot of people saw it coming. I think you and I, it sounds like, and I've already seen some of your tweets, I think that they earn this, if you're going to use that word. I mean, I think the arc was there. This has been a part of her character. It was definitely quick, but after what she suffered through, I mm. totally bought into it. I'm, I'm in the same boat as you, Axel. I feel like that... Uh, I mean, people are like, well, she would never destroy innocence like this and that. And um, there's, she's always had those counselors to hold her back. The only counselor that she has left is Tyrion, someone who she doesn't really trust. Um, tr- Tyrion has failed her so many times that she's not going to rely on that. And you just saw this ever since, well, through the course of the last episode. And it's not a great period of time, but you have to figure it's about at least a month or so by the time that they all marched to 
to White Harbor and then sail down to Dragonstone, you think about all that Daenerys lost in that space. She lost Jorah, her best friend. Uh, she lost uh, her dragon, the, the last of her other dragons in Rhaegal. She loses Missande. She's lost so much. And in this episode, she determines that she's lost John as well uh, when he can't, you know, return her affections. And that's that's the moment when it turns. That's when you know that anything can happen when she says, you know, I let it be fear then or what have you. That look in her eyes after he pulls back from kissing her. It was just kind of like, oh, boy. Yeah, there there it is. The way that they did it, I, you know. It was great the way they set it up, I thought. They did this wonderful thing where they had her just going after the ships, just going after the scorpions and everything, and then she gets on that wall. Her and Drogon get on that wall, and it was just like, oh, wow. They're, you know, and, and Tyrion's like, yes, we can do this, and then the bells start to ring and all of this stuff, and I'm thinking, man, maybe this will turn out okay. And then give it up for Amelia Clark because that – moment where you just see her thinking to herself you know this is personal she sees the uh, the the red keep there in the distance and it's just like uh no and she'd even been saying for the last gosh the whole this whole season you know nobody here loves me and now she's she's like well if nobody here's gonna love me then i'm just gonna be who i am uh, because i don't have anybody holding me back and I'm going to get a lot of hate for saying that, but I, I think you and I both have said in the past, you know, I, I remember even when I started this podcast back in 2012, it was like, she just locked up Zoro Zohan Doxos and, and her handmaiden Doria to like starve to death in a vault. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's sure. Most of the time when she's done things to people, it's been to people who have wronged her, but in her mind, the red keep has wronged her. The whole city has wronged her. Nobody is loving her. Um, and she's in such a state of desperation from all of the isolation of losing everybody and everything. I feel it's a perfectly earned, as you said earlier, earned turn for her. Matt, I think that you described everything better than I could have. Um, and, and also one thing that you you hit upon there was locking um those people up burning one or two of the masters um sam's brother and father just the idea that she had in her head and this is something i was talking about today with robert she's never you know there's stories when people have like a, a nuclear bomb right and the good guy says we just need to disarm it you know, and mm-hmm. other people are like, no, we can use it to win. And they're like, no, this will kill too many people. Danny has never taken the time. We've never seen her as a character say to someone, maybe this is too much power for one person to have, you know? And because of that, I always thought that it was, she was only pretty much a half step away from doing what she did here. And just thinking that destruction was the only way out. And like you said, when she lost John and she didn't have that love, that's what my wife said. Actually, right after that scene, kind of paused. And I I don't know, I got up for water or something. And then she was like, "Uh uh-oh, it's over. And I was like, oh, what do you mean? She's like, oh, well, now, no, this is total. John's a total no. 
she it's done. She's going to burn everything. And mm. my wife was right. Yeah. Yeah. I like your wife's theories. She's usually right. <laughs> <laughs> At least in my mind. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I mean, and I, I do like the idea of you, you comparing the dragon to a nuclear weapon also, because that's basically in this world, that's what that is. Um, you might look back on what season was at the end of season four and the beginning of season five, you might look at that exploration of chaining her dragons up as kind of an exploration of that where she did have the right idea. Mm. But at the same time, look what it got her. It got her nothing. So that was the only lesson that she took away from that was that she still needed Drogon in the end to save her from, you know, those, those people, the the people who were working for the masters. So she took the she took the wrong lesson from it, more or less. Yeah. But and that's just the way that goes. And it's tragic. It's horrific. And that's what makes it so compelling to me. I, I, I know people are gonna complain about it. And it, it lit. if that's that's who you are, then that's fine with me. Everybody has a right to their own opinions. But to me, that's what made the whole thing emotionally compelling. Yeah. And and let me just say one more thing too. The choice to have Arya go through and be with all of the people as all of that stuff was happening was brilliant. And here's why for me. Throughout the course of reading George's books, and I know that you haven't, but you will eventually read George's books. But throughout the course of, folks, go back and listen to the way back in the archives of this particular podcast. And you'll hear me and Bubba and Mike and Kelly and Susan and whoever talking about one of the biggest themes of George's books is how war affects the small folk, not the heroes, the small folk, because the heroes are going to come through or they're not going to come through. But it's the small folk who always suffer. And George has always touched on that in his books, which made this a great tribute to what kind of book material we're going to get, hopefully, in the future. Yeah. And, and also I love that. That's so true, Matt. You've always said that. Um, and you've always pointed out, excuse me, when Daenerys has done these terrible things (laughs) that people kind of gloss over, oh, but she's the drag mother of dragons. You know, it's, it's good to notice this, the, that our characters are gray, right. And that the way they deal with trauma is also so much of what this show is about. Danny did the same thing the Night King did. He was a man. He was traumatized. He was turned into a crippled bastard and broken thing by the children, and he enacted his revenge on everything around him. And this is what Danny did. She was spurned by John, spur, you know, the death of Masande. In ridiculed by Cersei in killing Masande, right? Can't trust mm. Tyrion. Varys turns on her. What does she do? She doesn't gather everyone around and say, my subjects, I feel lost. Let us come together now. We know the secret that John holds. We have to deal with it together. No. She tells him to hide it. You know, mm-hmm. like the whole, I think... There is definitely a, 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 a claim to be made or a stake to be claimed that um, or a claim to be staked that um, 
this season has been somewhat rushed or compressed or they could have taken more time and all of this. And I think that perhaps is true. We Mm. could have seen development of this, but I think they handled it pretty damn well. And you brought up Amelia Clark as my wife did too. She said, wow, she was just trembling looking at the red keep, just trembling as the Mm -hmm. bells went off. And it's not like, Sometimes noises like that have been used in, uh, in film and TV to signify like madness and insanity. But I think it was like the bells were mocking her that she didn't get to finally release this anger, you know? Mm. And unfortunately she then released it and Tyrion too, Peter Dinklage, my God, just the, the face and, and the moment between him and Jamie, when he set Jamie free as Jamie had set him free, man, there was so much in this episode. I, I would have to say the only thing that I was a little disappointed in, I never wanted it to happen. I never needed it was Clegane bowl 2019. I mean, uh, what were you into it? Man, that was to me. That was uh, just as an important part of the episode as anything else. That that's something that I've been hoping for for okay, a long time, okay. and I really didn't think we were going to get it. I honestly thought they were just going to kind of brush it off because it. I, I think it depends on what your perspective is as a book reader. the The book situation is a little different, and so you might say a Clegane Bowl would be con- contra to where the Hound is yeah. in the books. Yeah. Okay. And and that's fine. I can I can understand that argument, but I I think from a television show that this was the perfect culmination. I loved the poetry of the fact that fire, uh, you know, yeah. well the fall too, but fire is what killed the hound. He overcame his fear of death by fire because his hatred of his brother was that strong. Those those kinds of things, and and he totally redeemed himself of any of this. When he sent Arya away, that was one of the most beautiful scenes. Mm. This whole episode for me was, you know, I'll give my five stars to Sandor Clegane and and Roy for for his performance all throughout this. It was amazing to me. You know, Matt, you bring up a good point um, uh, that we kind of get we get we get almost a double. Uh, a double seal on the end of the Hound, where he he gets that last. Um, thank you from Arya, and he saves her life. You know, finally, if tells her, "Hey, this is the time not to kill, kid. You know, you can let it go, but I can't because look what I am." And I think that that was important for me to, as a person who my attachment to that character is one of wanting to see him release himself from that and absolve himself of that hate, but. Mm-hmm. That's not everyone's path, and that wasn't his path, and he he at least had agency in it and chose it. There were scenes that um, supported that, and the fight itself was pretty badass, throwing him around. And man, when the mountain just killed Kyburn, I was like... (laughs) (laughs) he just i was i had all these theories kyburn's gonna have a dead arm and everything it was like nah it was almost like it was like foley this is what's gonna happen i'm gonna throw me and his head's just gonna crack open yeah and then how cersei just snuck by them and the hound that was a great moment how they did that profile of the hound not even looking at cersei 
Like right. he has the opportunity to kill the queen and effectively end it, though there was no ending it because Danny was going to do what she was going to do. But right. he just, I, I like the way you put that, Matt. And I guess maybe when I do another rewatch, like before the prequels or something, um, I will, I will understand better or open myself up to the idea of that was what the hound needed to do. That was who he was. And there was no rest for him. It had become something uh, almost like an addiction that he could never free himself of. And this was the only end that was fitting for his character. Yeah. And he did get some redemption in the fact that he saved Arya from the exact same path. Yes. Because that was, yeah. that's the path that Arya has been going down for a long time. And we've seen another thing that's really beautiful about to me is to see Arya accept that and walk away. She she does the the aria that I know and love that I you know for seasons and seasons and books and books I'm like she's becoming a cold blooded murderer my poor aria you know and and now I'm not there anymore I'm just yeah. kind of like yeah now she's making responsible decisions good for you aria good for you yeah that was that you're right you're right because um there was a part of her character that could have said I don't care what you want Clegane this is what I want you know. I'll become who uh, who I want to become. Uh, but she listened. And it was like a respect for her master because mm-hmm. he was one of her masters and taught her. And it did provide that opportunity to have the amazing scenes of following her through the destruction. They did, wow, just like you said, Matt, they did such a great job this episode of showing all the small folk, of showing all the regular people. Now, they they always do the thing where they kind of pick one or two characters who then reoccur. And, you know, for me, Game of Thrones is is almost is mythology, is allegory. So it doesn't bother me when Arya runs into the same girl and daughter. You know, it, that's okay with me because that's part of this bedtime story. You know, that old nan is telling us, so that, that was her name, right? Yep. Yeah. Hey, look at that. I got it. Um, uh, see, not like OSHA, but it, it was just wonderful and horrible, but wonderful to me, um, as a viewer to really feel that, you know, to really, they really kind of, honed in on that over and over again. And something that they didn't do is once Danny took off on the dragon, you didn't see her again. They didn't go back to shots of her on top of the dragon, yelling and screaming and acting crazy. All you saw were the people. All you saw was the, on the ground floor, the destruction that was happening. She had become the dragon, right? And it didn't matter if Danny was up there crying or yelling or regretful or whatever, because what mattered is she killed all these people. It was so sad. And you saw it on John's face. The scene, I'm sorry, I keep on going on and on, but I'm just kind of like into this. Matt, how about that scene when Davos and John just look at each other for a second? Oh, I, I, I mean, the, the whole impact and, and, and the way that that scene turns so quickly because. Mm. Grey Worm is so full of rage himself. Yeah. And he's had no way to vent it. And now, you know, it, it's it's like when they see Daenerys starting to 
destroy the city. They take it as a cue that they can do the same. Yep. And uh, you know, to John for John to be literally fighting his own men to save innocence. I that was such a, a, a scene and, and and the looks between him and, and Davos and I was just kinda like for a long time I thought, Oh, Davos is not gonna make it, you know. But uh, it was just uh it was it was horrible. It was it was horrific because you they were a perfect representation of what I'm sure, you know, ninety to a hundred percent of the audience was feeling is like, I can't believe this is happening. And I I I I just found that so emotionally compelling. I mean, I don't really care as you know about predictions or what have you. I, I kind of make fun of them and I kind of make silly predictions just for the sake of doing so. Uh, but I, I, I'm just like so drawn into the emotion of this episode. And I love what you said about the dragon. You, you never see Danny on it again. There are no yeah. shots of her, you know, saying Dracarys or anything. And that's because again, thematically, it's totally told from the view of the people on the ground, the people who are affected 99% of them who never wanted this nor cared what the outcome would be. And, uh, I just love that whole thematic draw. And I thought that Dave and Dan choosing to do that. And especially the way Miguel chose to shoot it was just absolutely, I I don't think there's been anything better for me on this show to be perfectly honest. It was really breathtaking, man. It it was absolutely, yeah. To just give a nod to production, the rea- the realism of this, the dust, the everything falling, um, just the idea that the earth, uh, that everything man-made or earth-made is just everything's crumbling. There's nowhere to hide. There's nowhere to be safe. There's fire and blood and ashes and and just dust and people can't breathe. It was, it really reminded me of the Battle of the Bastards at many points, you know, uh, even personified. Um, gosh, I'm having, I'm like losing my breath just thinking about it now. It was really breathtaking and the, the, the sheer realism of it. I was even for a moment, you know, I'm always taken by this show and that's why I love it. It always suspends my disbelief, but I had to just stop for a second and look and just say, how did they shoot that? This is like, there's so many layers to what Mm -hmm. they shot here that, the the preparation for this alone would take months, if not a year, just to prepare for this, then to actually see it through and then post-production. It's just, it's really breathtaking. Um, absolutely breathtaking. Yeah. That moment with John and, oh, the one thing I wanted to bring up and this was on my mind, it really showed the power of the dragon because mm. we, we, we say, and people have said, you know, Danny's advisors tell her to hold back. And she has, but the time when she hasn't, the one time I think we really saw the force that that fire has, like when it came crashing down on the golden company was that loot train sequence when she burns everyone. And, mm-hmm. um, you just see the fire lifting up the wagons, you know? It was amazing to see that it said to me as a viewer, she has been holding back 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. even when she was burning the dragons, I mean, burning things and, and, and fighting at other times, this is really unhinged. Like she was more unhinged here than she was against the undead. Yeah. If she had had some of that fire, maybe they would have, uh, you know, would have had an extra four or five minutes and Theon could still be alive. Mm. Possibly so. You never know. Uh, I thought that the blast that she gave the Night King in that episode was pretty strong and it just showed how resistant he is to everything, how how strong his magic is. But uh, other than that, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I was just the way the way the fire wasn't just. You know, we have the stories of Hall, how the fire just kind of melted the tower and kind of cooked everybody inside, right? But the the whole idea of it literally blasting mm. brick and, and cobblestone and all of this apart just from the force of it uh, was really, really powerful. I, I, I totally agree with you there. Yeah, insane. All right. I, let, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, can I, can I talk about one death that I was dis- disappointed about Definitely. real quick? Because you brought it up just a minute ago with the power against the Golden Company. Um, Harry Strickland really seemed kind of <laughs> unnecessary for the whole season, did he not? I mean, that, that was just kind of, yeah. I was just kind of like, what? Well, okay. It, that was the only disappointing moment for me in the whole episode. Well, I think I was right about the casting, though. They cast that face so he could look back at us and we could see the utter destruction that had been wrought, you know, because that he did give some good face there when he kind of looked, woke up and then looked back and then he saw the Dothraki coming and he was like, oh, but yeah, that was the Golden Company was a, uh, I think someone said on Twitter, um, that was the worst Groupon purchase ever. <laughs> they were just, it was totally meaningless, you know, um, but I'll tell you one thing. It was kind of worth it to see the whole side of the the outer wall fall on them, and then they just be wiped out like that. Um, it was it was something else. But yeah, you're right about that. That wasn't much of anything at all. Uh, the yeah. Golden Company taking a little break here from my and Matt's initial reaction. Remind you to go to cufflinks.com/dvr. Use code DVR twenty, and you'll get twenty percent off your order all the time or use code GOT20 and get 20% off your Game of Thrones officially licensed product order. And if you send us an email at podcastwinterfell at gmail.com, you'll be entered to win a pair of Targaryen cufflinks. Check them out. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR, type in cufflinks in the search. I mean, Targaryen in the search, Targaryen cufflinks, try both and you will find the beautiful cufflinks yourself or you can check our facebook or twitter go to cufflinks.com slash dvr send us that email today but i did want to bring up we're talking about deaths let's talk about jamie and cersei they came into the world together they went out of this world together Mm -hmm. and uh speaking of predictions none of my predictions have come true at all this season except i did say i just didn't think anyone was going to kill cersei directly You know, it just, she seemed like the kind of character to me that, um, she'd either get taken out by the, I thought maybe wildfire or fire or just, and I think to me, this was perfect because it's almost like they went back to the womb, right? Mm. And the privilege and the castle 
and the queen and the pageantry and the destruction and the horror and the war is what they were born out of. And it's what they died in. And it was like a womb of fire and blood and brick that took them out. I just don't know. I just, the Jamie part is something I'll have to work through. Okay. Because I, I don't know. I just felt like, I guess he didn't really have an intention when he left Brienne. He just had to be with Cersei. And if situations had changed and she had gained the upper hand, perhaps he would have killed the queen, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, he just had to be there, I guess, is where I kind of settle on. I was just a little surprised at the end. But I wasn't because I know he really loved her. I don't know. I guess I just, it's initial reaction. I got to work through it. How did it make sure. you feel? Well, I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, a lot of people were poo-pooing last week on Jamie leaving Brienne and all of that. And they they made some points about, you know, it makes Brienne look like just a crying woman and everything after she's been so strong. I didn't see it like that at all. I saw it as she was crying for his – I saw it as she was crying for his humanity um, because he, he, he obviously wouldn't be able to change – a tiger couldn't change his stripes. And um, – I think I think a lot of people, if they examined Jamie uh, through a objective lens, would see that that would be the case anyway. I wasn't. I was a Jamie Ruder. I wanted him to stay up there, uh, but I didn't. It didn't seem out of character for him to want to come back. No, um, I don't think so. I, and yeah, it wasn't that it was. It wasn't that it was out of character for him to come back, Matt. It was that I, I thought he would be a little bit angrier at her. But mm. she was in such a state that I think that anger may have disappeared. I have to watch it again because, like I said, when my my opinion on him leaving was he just had to be with her. Maybe he's going to go kill her. I don't know. But he just caught, he, he I didn't think he was going to go back there to love her or that he thought they'd be together. He mm. just needed to kind of like, like, you know, when you have someone you love, you just need to be there for them. Well, it may you have been. Why. A- yeah, it may have been unclear to, uh, to me uh, up until the time that Tyrion released him and said, "I'm going to have a boat for you there," mm. and and okay. and all of yeah. this, and and then uh, you know he was looking for him and Cersei to be able to escape to Essos and have a life, uh, and the way he fought with Euron, uh, to me, <laughs> you have you have Clegane Bowl and you have Dane Bowl because you have two <laughs> you have two uh, Danish actors, uh, real famous Danish actors fighting each other on screen. That was great. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was fun in the way that, uh, to see that fight happen just for the sake of it happening. I know a lot of people will probably poo poo on that too. Fine. I, I understand that it, to uh, to, to me, Euron is, is, is kind of like a Westeros's version of Captain Jack. Um, yeah, dude, I, I think I said, I think I, the other day I called him Cersei's Flava Flav. Uh, he's just kind of on the side and instead of clocks, he has like uh like sea wheels or whatever around his neck. And he's like, yeah, boy, I'm a disappointing overall, a disappointing character for me. I thought he was introduced with much magical flourish and evil intentions. And he ended up kind of like you say, just being, you know, kind of a jokester and uh, not, not really not really much. He took out the dragon, but it was almost by luck, you know? Um, so, and I, for me, it was a lot of Danny's arrogance too, and just not being into what she was doing. Um, 
but the fight was actually pretty good, wasn't it? I, I thought I I thought it was I thought it was appropriate for its inadequacy. Well, yeah, you definitely did not want to see those guys just standing toe to toe and doing an Errol Flynn yes, kind of sword fight. Exactly, you did not want to see that. Yep, uh, I loved how it got dirty, how it got uh, you know just brutal, and uh, that that was that was all fine. Um, it it did seem uh, it, it's just like <laughs> okay, Euron is really really dumb. Let's just put it because you just get all your ships blown up, and you're going to go back to the place where the dragon's still putting fire down. I, I would not have done that, <laughs> but I'm a coward. Maybe you're yeah. just too crazy to be a coward. What, what I did love about that fight was at the end because it looked like Euron was almost like, uh, like, Oh, I'm going to die. Well, this will be a new experience. Yeah. Like, it, you know, That's it's just true. that kind of crazy, man. It was great. <laughs> That's, you know what, Matt, you can say that he, it was a consistent character once he became a uh, court jester. Yes. He was yeah. consistent from then on. Um, but I did, I was, I don't know when it was first introduced and maybe there's other plans. There's so many characters on the show and I know in mm. the books, he's something much different and more powerful and more interesting. And you get more into the, I've seen all the 20 C's and you know, all that kind of stuff is, it means more in the books, right? Yeah. Yeah. There, there's a, there's a real evil to his character that yeah. did not come through in the show. Um, but you know, again, so many characters and, and on a television show, it's not like you have the, the luxury of, of spending an hour with this character to really get to know them. Yep. So they, they choose, pick and choose the characters that we really care about. And they put these other ones, they, they need to be part of the story, but you know, they, they don't have to be the story. And I, I think that there's, sometimes there's, a lot of overreaction, and I'm going to call it out as a book reader. I think there's a lot of overreaction from book readers uh, because they didn't get 200 pages of character the same way you do in a book. And it's just impossible. Dave and Dan can't do that. Yeah, no, definitely not. And, uh, and, and with all the time that's gone into this show, I think that in the end, People should just, you know, try if they can to appreciate that they got the largest television production ever amassed in the history of human society for the books they love, even though it's not perfect and there's problems. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure once I start reading the books, I'll get on a podcast and be like, you know what? You guys were right. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Because, you know, you know or, there are parts yeah. of the last two books, dude. There are parts of the last two books that you just... I mean, I, I'm sitting there going, why am I here? And, and hopefully it'll pan out, but I don't know. Um, and then there's, there's parts of the television show where it's kind of like, oh, that's cool. Why am I here? Yeah. You know, so, yeah, I mean, it, 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 everybody, anybody who's authoring something can make, can, can sometimes, especially George, he's kind of a gardener, right? So he just kind of goes wherever it takes him, which is why we still don't have a sixth or seventh book yet. George, get to writing. Um, but, uh, I, I don't know. I, I feel like in terms of those kind of cases, everything uh, just has to be weighed through the perspective yeah. of being a television show and not because just because it's a big production or anything. This is a damn good story. Maybe you don't like the way the story is going, but it's a damn good story. Yes, people. Yeah. It's so Shakespearean and this turn by Danny. And I can only imagine what this final episode is going to bring us. 
after we see what Arya has seen. And let's just say this, dear Danny, the worst person to have survived and seen everything on the ground is the person who killed the Night King. <laughs> who can yeah. Kill yeah. you. Grey Worm will not save you. Dan um it's I mean, that was just and John's performance, you know. I am a fan of John. I really am. Um I, I, I think that there's I've I've always said I don't think that he's gonna rule in the end or be the ultimate hero as like perhaps the Azor A High or this uh, people of, of what I understand from the prophecy and all that because I think he's this is a story about change right and a mm -hmm. different kind of hero at least for me yeah. um, but man did not did Kit Harrington just with a few looks on his face when he, like you said, when he tried to stop them after gray worm started it. Right. And, and yeah. it was really, really let's, let's give some credit where credit is due. Danny did start burning everything, but gray worm was commanding and he told the ground forces to go ahead. John could have pulled them back. Right. And, and probably would have, or at least they could have started helping people, but you also see how quickly the Dothraki, the Unsullied, and even it looked like some of John's old own northern men yes. were also willing to take out their anger and turn like that. And that just shows that this can be a new spring. That's what this story can be about. But people are still people. And this is still a rough, rough world of Game of Thrones, right? Yeah. Th this ain't a city, you know, like in a, even in America, even the worst city. This is like a place where anybody can take anybody out at any time and often do. And power is is king. And unfortunately here, you know, we just got to see some great acting from Kit Harrington, just his facial expressions and the way there were like two or three guys that he just really didn't want to kill. You know, right. and even the way he kind of put his sword in front of him first and then pushed out against them. And, and, and it was, man, it was choreographed so well. Um, I was, I was just, I, it's still, it's still going through my mind. I'm trying to think of, uh, some of the things we may have missed here. Tyrion, man, this, the, the, that one lone shot reminded me a lot of saving private Ryan when Tyrion is walking through the kind of, you know, open hole as yeah. he watches everyone go in and it's just, he's still got his like arms behind his back and just kind of seeing the destruction and so sad. Is there anything else that you can think that we've, we covered a lot. Oh yeah. There, there's still some things that Hit I've it. got. If, if, Go. if you have time, yeah. uh, first of all, I, I want to just point out, you were talking about John's reactions there. Uh, Kid Harrington did a great job, and I don't know if he was told what he was supposed to be seeing at the time, but the intercutting of shots, and this was what was most powerful for me. There's a shot in there of a Lannister soldier helping innocents to safety at the same time that there are northern men slaughtering Oh, people. wow. And, and it literally flips the trope on its head. The good yeah. guys have become the bad guys. The bad guys have become the good guys. I loved that. I thought that that was so amazing. Um, we haven't talked about Varys. There's, yes. There's, there's a slight disappointment yeah. about Varys for me as well. And that is, we never really found out what the fire said to him. I was hoping for that. <laughs>
Well, I, I think what the fire said to him is, I'm coming back to get you. You know, when, yeah. When he was first, when whenever his parts were thrown into flame many yeah. many years ago, maybe so, maybe so. And, and Melisandre was right that they were both going to die there, right? Isn't isn't that yeah. what she said? About to the him? only that's about the only thing that Melisandre's ever gotten right. Yeah, exactly. Um, you were talking about Azor Ahai earlier. Well, Melisandre called John Azor Ahai a lot yeah. uh, after after she called Stannis Azor Ahai, so she was zero for two there. That's the um, truth. But yeah, Varys was to me that. If there was if there was one thing that I think could have added maybe a, a slight extra scene or maybe John talking to Danny before they got there, um, Tyrion talking to her maybe, it just seemed like for two guys, Davos as well, who in the past had argued for at least lock him up. You know, you don't need mm-hmm. to kill him. At least put him in jail. He has served you well in the past. I mean, it is the ultimate betrayal, and we don't know how many of those letters got out. Probably a lot of them, mm-hmm. uh, I would suspect. Um, it That just seemed rather quick to me. I yeah. love the character. The scene between him and Tyrion was amazing. And wow, that shot of the dragon coming out of the night. Ooh, boy. Oh man, that that was so was metaphoric and foretelling of, of Danny. I mean, it yeah. was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. It was just like, yeah, it was. It, it, it made you feel like uh, like she was some kind of force that was conjuring up all of, uh, of an evil spirit to come and take care of him. It was just crazy, man. I loved that shot. Yeah, um, yeah. well done there. The hand that Tyrion puts on his arm. Um, after all the bickering they've done, you know, and the and the Tyrion making fun of his bits and him making fun of Tyrion's height, and to just have that last moment was very meaningful. But I also feel like now that I'm thinking about it, maybe the rapidity of that was plays into this whole idea that Danny just ever since the Night King was defeated, she's just been like. And she found because she knew about John right before then. She's just like in a in in a mad dash to claim the throne, so she can protect against the man she loves, and that's mm. devastating. This really is if we can let go of our own um, real world notions of what a story should be in our modern society and what it tells us and all that, and just see this as kind of a just a timeless uh, mythological story. It's Shakespearean, it's tragic, and it's it really is something else, I have to say. And Amelia Clark sold it to me. I know there's, like I said, I know we're saying it again and again because, you know, there's some, we're even kind of like, I think, seeing that wave come of tweets coming at us, Matt. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. Like, and, and- uh, but... I I bought it, and I and I really think it's it's bittersweet. It's and it's it's beautiful in a way. It's just it's really great storytelling. Totally, totally agreed. I I couldn't agree more, Axel. I I, I this episode made me feel all of the feels from even even to feeling a little sorry for Cersei when she was. She just was kind of like this little girl, this whole episode. It's like, no, 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 Euron will save me. No, no, yeah. you know, uh, no, the, the, the scorpions, you know, the denial at first, 
and then the realization, and then Jamie's there, and she realizes that he's not going to make it when she sees how hurt he is, um, and she's so scared of dying there at the end, and, and all Jamie can do is just hold her and wait for it to come. I, I thought that that was all beautiful as well, and, and maybe Cersei's, and I'm not forgiving Cersei for anything that she did, because if she hadn't done all of these things, this wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Uh, but the, the thing is, is that I can't help but feel just a little bit sorry for her at the end because she is the one who is finally realizing the weight of what she has done to herself, to her unborn child, to the person that she truly loves. Um, she, she comes to the realization that it's all on her um, and, and, is desperate. She's pleading to get away from it. It, it was all, all the stages of her grieving herself uh, right up until the end there. Yeah. Amazing. I, it was hard for me to accept at first because I had convinced myself that there was nothing left inside of Cersei, but the promise of this child obviously changed that. And when I look back at the other scenes with her, which I do wish there was more of her this season, I really do. I have to say that I do wish we had perhaps some scenes with someone else in King's Landing or her, but, but it shows her isolation, maybe even a scene with Kyburn where she speaks of the future in a way mm. that seems hopeful, you know, or uh, just, it was, sure. it, it was, it was a quick for me. But the one thing I did like is that the tear going down her eye that she didn't want Kyburn to see, right? And then she turns and goes, and she's mm -hmm. steadfast down those steps. Even you know, she hides, but then she gets back up. And it's really not until she sees Jamie that she fully breaks down, and they have that moment together, and they're children again, you know. And yeah. it washes away all the big queen stuff and. I do, I did, I was looking for a little more, perhaps her saying something along the lines of what have I become? What did I do to us? Um, mm. Something like that. Maybe even Jamie confronting her, like saying to her, like you, you goddamn, my goddamn sister did it again. Or like something like that. Mm. Um, but I do think the end was fitting. I just wish we did have a little bit more Cersei this season because I love the actress and I think that it would have made this her uh her utter defeat I mean it, as the as the undead just overran Winterfell and were crawling around like ants this, mm. this her, she lasted about 3 seconds I mean she didn't last it was just a massacre from the beginning they, they there was not there was not one point where it seemed as if she could even once Danny did that move, which I have to, th I have to shout out Robert who today predicted that the reason why Euron was looking up is because this was a move. Do you know this Matt from the books where mm -hmm. there was another dragon rider who used the sun to block, to dive down and low and high and use the sun to kind of blind their opponent. Ooh. He brought it up today and I said, and I it kind of, I was like, wow, that you're right. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And that yeah. is what happened. That was a, and that's a kind of a nod to the books there. That's nice. a strategy, you know? Um, but wow, man. Well, what else did you have? 
Uh, the only other thing that I really wanted to say, and uh, boy, this is petty, but hey, Aaron Rodgers ain't a bad actor. <laughs> Wait, was Aaron Rodgers in this? Yes, he was the guy that cut the girl's throat that John had to kill. Oh, really? Yeah, that was that was Aaron. Oh, so that's what happened. See, that was in the live stream today. Somebody shouted out Aaron Rodgers. Maybe that was a spoiler, or had that gotten out already? I don't know if it had or not, but I you had to figure uh, that. Uh, once I saw him, I knew it was him instantly because he had done a lot of the promo stuff for Game of Thrones before the For the Throne things. Oh, okay. And had okay. done a rewatch of one of the seasons where, on Twitter All right. with fans and everything. Well, so I, I knew he was a bigger part of it than just that. You had to know that. So he, yeah, he got a he got a little role there, and he did okay. Okay, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to look for that because I have to say I am a New York Jets fan. But I love Aaron Rodgers, and one of my dreams in life that my wife laughs at me, and even Aaron, you know, a hustler who's a big football fan, laughs at me. I say, my bucket list consists of living in Green Bay, Wisconsin for an entire Packers season and going to every home game. Wow. Because that's just like, that's like football city, man. Like, Yeah, good luck getting tickets. Those are are a legacy, man. (laughs) But that would be, I, I mean, to me as a football fan... I just, the Packers, man, and I love the way Aaron Rodgers plays. So go Aaron Rodgers, but that's bad that you have to murder a little girl. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or the it, mother, it, the mother. Yeah, it, it was it was, it was was a woman. I don't remember even what. That's, but, too, yeah. that's, not, well, that's not too nice, Aaron Rodgers. I guess, the, I guess she was a Vikings fan. Sorry, Ando. Had to say it. <laughs> um, all right. You know, I mean, Matt, I am just a flutter. I, I really, I don't know. If I can think of much more than to kind of just let's talk about a little bit where you think we may be headed, um, you know, no predictions or the like, but just where yeah. you see the characters going, where we f- where we'll find them next episode. What do you think? Well, I'm I'm a little worried for Tyrion uh, because if Danny's still alive and Tyrion's still alive, she's gonna find out that he let Jamie go. Yeah. Could that be the straw that really breaks the camel's back and sends John into her chambers with the dagger that Arya gives him? <laughs> I'm not going to go that specific. I'm just saying I'm worried for Tyrion. I have no idea what that might mean. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a little worried for Tyrion in the next episode, uh, especially since it's the last episode. If he's going to die, it would mm. be in that episode. But uh, I don't know that that will happen. I'm just worried for him right now. Yeah, um, I just, man. But, but what, I mean... John Davos, how are they going to react to this? Ooh, that's a million dollar question, isn't it? Um, well, you definitely, like you mentioned earlier, you definitely have Arya who's decided that who never trusted Daenerys in the first place. She nope. said that in the last episode as well. Even if she did like the dragons in the first episode, um, she made it pretty clear where she stood about Daenerys anyway. Um, and it would appear that Sansa will have ended up being right. I was going to, you know, Matt, I was just going to say, Matt, let's say it together. So Ken can hear us. Sansa was right. Sansa's always right. (laughs) Ken, Ken, if you're out there, my friend, Sansa is always right. You're correct. Sansa is always right. I mean, yeah, just, I, 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 and when she finds out about this, when Arya was looking up, when she was running with the woman and her child, Mm Mm-hmm. And she looked up and saw the dragon. I almost for a second thought that she was going to pull a waif move, 
climb up the building, <laughs> summer, somersault onto the dragon, and just kill Daenerys right there, take the dragon, dive it into the sea, and just jump and do a dive and like swim up, and everyone's going to be like, what happened? And she'll be like, I took care of it again, guys. Just Man, go, I, go back I was home. the same way, man. I was exactly the same way. I was just kind of like, I was kind of like, okay, they have to stop Daenerys somehow. Yeah. It's got to be. It's going to be Arya, isn't it? And and then uh, then that didn't happen. And what I love about that is Arya, as much as we love her and as powerful as she has become, is still just one of the masses in that whole group yep. of people. Um, and that that was even more emotionally investing to me than I. I mean. She's already killed. She already killed the Night King. She jumped from some tower, you know, four flights of four, four miles away and, and made that kill. Uh, so she, I guess she won't have an, another great death, but I, I won't put anything past her. Um, John and Davos are going to have to do something about Daenerys. Obviously, will they succeed? I don't know. I, nobody knows. Uh, but uh, you, you can you can bet that there's. At very least, there's going to be uh, some intense conversation going on at the beginning of next episode about what do we do about the Mad Queen? Because now we have one. Yeah, crazy. That is, um, it's going to be a pretty pretty tense night there at Dragonstone uh, when Danny gets home. (laughs) John's like, I know what you did while you were out. I was with my friends. You were only supposed to go out and have a few drinks. You burned the whole city down, Danny. That is yeah. not cool. It was, man, everybody was looking up and it, how quickly it changed, right? Yeah. That they were, that was supposed to be, that's their team. And, yeah. you know, wow, man. Yeah. I think that Davos especially is going to play a very important role in the Ooh. next episode and in how this all wraps up, because I think he is a person that people listen to. He is a person that has always gone he's always goes with the best plan, right? right? He didn't like Melisandre. He still got Melisandre to bring John back. That was him. That was right. Davos who did that, right? right. At, at other times he's gone against, I mean, it goes back to getting his fingers cut off and being proud of it. Um, yeah. And I think that he will play a very important role, but I agree with you. I think Tyrion, they, they definitely set that up. You don't have all that dialogue for nothing. You know, when somebody yeah. says that, you know, yeah, oh, that was a great line too. Yeah. Was it, it thou, tens of thousands of innocent lives versus one not so innocent dwarf? I was just like, oh man, that's just, I, I just killed me. Um, and he knew that he was sacrificing himself at that point, I guess. Yeah. So, well, Matt, uh, is if there's not anything else, do you have anything else you want to talk about, buddy? I can't think of. We've covered all the big ones for me, so I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, well, buddy, it is a pleasure. It is always a pleasure to have you on. As you know, anytime you send anything over, you want to come on, you're on, buddy. You started this thing. Let's all take a moment here to thank Matt. And also, Matt's still podcasting, everybody. Go over to Matt. I'll let you tell everybody. You tell everybody how they can find you. Well, for you fans who hated this episode, um, you can feel free to send your, your hate tweets to me rather than to at Winterfell Pod. Please send them to Matt at Matt's GOT blog on Twitter. That's M-A-T-T-S-G-O-T blog on Twitter. And I will be happy to respond in kind or block you. One of the two. And, but you're also podcasting 
No. Oh yeah, you can find you can find the podcast not in any of the listings. We're not nearly that big. I just started to do this just more or less to uh I had some troubles with my lungs a year ago and so I did it to kind of recoup myself. Started talking into a microphone again, but uh you can find uh mattsaudioblog.com. That's where you can find all the information you need on the podcast. Awesome. And also, I believe who is it doing who's it who tonight is doing your initial reaction? We have uh, friends of the podcast here and um, over there. It's uh, Kelly uh, at Kelly Underfoot is uh, doing leading the initial reaction, and she's joined by Holly. Um, they're over there, probably saying things a lot smarter than I said in this episode. So uh, please feel free to check them out. But again, send all of your hate to at Matt's Audio Blog. <laughs> At gmail.com or to M-A-T-T-S-G-O-T blog on Twitter. I'm happy to field it. Hey, man, listen, we will take at least half of that. We'll shoulder that burden because the pack survives, baby. The pack right. survives. We got to stick together. Uh, I, I, I hope that everyone listening could find enjoyment and fun in this episode as we did. It's been a great story. This is a great community. And for me, just as it was in the lost days, Matt, we created this together. And the best thing out of this isn't books or TV shows. It's the people that we meet along the way. It's the friends that we, we've been, we've been friends for like 10 years now, Matt, from a television show, right? And, uh, and we've disagreed and we've agreed on TV, but we've always agreed to respect each other. And that's what we should all do going forward because it's a fun experience. We got a week left. The finale is going to be amazing. We got a bunch of podcasts coming at you. I was lucky enough this week to talk to Robert, to talk to Matt, to talk to Jack from Jay and Jack. I hope this week to sneak in another one. DJ will be back with the round table tomorrow on YouTube. We've got a couple guests lined up. I think we've got one or two spots left open for that. I'm going to be back this week with Heath doing the deep dive. I'm also scheduled to do a podcast with Ken. Ken's going to come back again. Yay! And we're going to all talk, we're going to talk about this this finale coming up. See what happens. Ken's prediction of fast forwarding 20 years to a new Westeros might not happen, but maybe we'll get a scene like that at the end of the finale. That's possible. Yeah, if, if, if they do a montage of any kind, it yeah. might be included in that. Yes, we could get that. That would be fun. And also, um, we will also be doing another feedback episode. So get your feedback in the podcast, Winterfell at gmail.com. Matt, it's my absolute pleasure to have you on again, brother. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone, for listening and downloading. Matt, I'll let you take us out. Okay, well... Folks, thanks again so much for listening to Podcast Winterfell, for keeping it alive. Axel's done a great job since I left. He's actually made it a much better podcast for most fans, you know. And uh, the the music analysis, uh, I'm going to do, I will say this, I'm going to do an analysis of the entire finale, and I'll make sure to uh, send that to Axel so it's on that feed as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Matt. Thank you, everyone. Peace out. Peace out. And you got you got your pod. They they probably send it over to you to edit and post.
Yeah. yeah. So I got that to do still. Oh, that but, means I can't listen to it while I'm editing because that's what I always do. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, man. Oh. Uh, 